This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember, leaders make things happen. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to episode number 18, Servant Leadership, Clearing Up the Confusion. I'm so glad to have you on the show today, and I was just talking to a young man yesterday that I'm mentoring. He's in his 20s, and he's actually in leadership in a business, but he's also a seminary guy, so a lot of people like that out there, and uh, he is trying to learn how to be a better leader, and I'm just having a great time with him. But yesterday, we got off on the topic of servant leadership. When I mention servant leadership, Leadership, what comes to your mind? I find there's all kinds of confusion out there about what servant leadership is and what it is not. And what we're going to do on the show today is I want to clear up the confusion and I'm going to start with the negative, what servant leadership is not. And then I want to give you some pointers on what I think it is. And I'll tell you right from the outset, the key to servant leadership, which I think is the best kind of leadership is an attitude. And I'll tell you what that attitude should be. But you know, in the, in the history of leadership and the world and the, and the common paradigm of leadership, it's very much different than servant leadership. Uh, I was telling this young man, in fact, I asked him, why do you think servant leadership is not the most common kind of leadership model? And uh, he said, well, uh, because uh, we're naturally uh, selfish human beings. I said, absolutely right. And when we're the leader, we naturally think people should serve us. But I said, another reason why servant leadership may not be so popular is because we haven't had great examples. You know, we lead as we were led. And if we've never had great examples of servant leadership, it might be hard for us to be a good servant leader. You know, leadership is caught more than it is taught. And it's great when we have great examples. But, you know, let's just think about the common world's view of uh, what is great leadership. If you go around the world, and I've been to so many places, and I've, I've seen this. And when people think of leadership, they think of power, wealth position, being served, control, prestige, honor, notoriety, fame, book deals, media exposure. <laughs> well, there's all kinds of um, interesting ways that people view leadership. But, you know, I kind of uh, like the Jesus model of leadership. And he talked about a different kind of leadership, servant leadership. If you go into Luke chapter 22, verse 24 through 26, you will see that the disciples, you know, he created a group of leaders around him, 12 disciples who became the apostles who, you know, he, I like to say he didn't have a plan B. He spent, you know, 30 years growing up and three years in ministry, and then he was crucified and he put all of his eggs in this one basket of these 12 that he had trained to be uh, the starters of his revolution. You know, I find that amazing that he actually had no plan B, that he put all of his faith and energy into these 12. It's a great model of leadership. Well, in Luke 22, they're sitting around arguing about seats of 
power because they didn't quite understand what was coming down the road. And they thought he was going to be, you know, he kept talking about this kingdom that he was going to set up. And they figured, oh, this is so cool. He's going to become king. And I'm going to get to sit on his right. And I want to be on his left because I'm the most important because we are great leaders and he loves us. And we're sort of in his inner circle. So in Luke 22, they're arguing about who was going to be the greatest and sit at his right and his left hand uh, of privileged, powerful position. And he made it very clear. He said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to be servant of all. The greatest among you will be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. Now, so like, what is this all about? What is servant leadership all about? I'd like to clear up that confusion for you. And first of all, let's talk about what servant leadership is not. And I want to remind you that my um, notes for this uh, talk and this podcast, like all my podcasts, can be found at hansfenzel.com. And I do have my show notes with uh, some of the references and the lists that I give out and, and the books that I talk about. But uh, let's talk about what servant leadership is not. And if you'll go to my show notes, you'll see a picture that I have, this great picture of these two turtles that I use when I teach on this point. Uh, picture a really, really big turtle. Uh, Donna and I had the joy a few years ago to go to Australia and to sail with some friends that she works with on a beautiful 52-foot catamaran for a week on the Great Barrier Reef. Wow, that is one of the greatest vacations of our lifetime. What a joy it was to be on that beautiful catamaran and to sail from island to island along the Great Barrier Reef. And we did a lot of snorkeling. One of the coolest things was to just go down there and just hang out with these massive sea turtles. You know, they're just big and they're beautiful. Well, I have this picture of this big old sea turtle. On the back of the sea turtle is a little turtle. Okay, now that is what servant leadership is not. It is not like these two turtles. We don't carry people on our backs. That's way too much pressure on us to try to think that we can carry everybody on our backs. I like to say servant leadership is not carrying people on our backs. It's carrying people on our hearts. Again, now, if I were going to go to um, think about what servant leadership is not, recently I was teaching in China, and uh, I had a great group of 100 uh, trainers of trainers of uh, church leaders in China. Let me just leave it at that. I asked these trainers of church leaders, what do you think is the common perception out there in your country about servant leadership? And I was sort of amazed that it was the same thing I see all over the world. And here's what they, the, the list that they gave me. You serve everyone. You do all the dirty work. You work 24-7 for the good of others. You are weak Others take advantage of you. You're a doormat. You never take any time off because you have to constantly serve everyone else. And you let everybody else sort of walk all over you. Now, see, that's 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 a definition of a servant. And that's where we get messed up because we take a typical definition of a servant that has no rights. Uh, they're the bottom of the bottom, and they uh, they literally are slaves, you know, servants slaves. Well, servant leadership is not slave leadership. Maybe that's what I should 
call this episode, Servant Leadership is Not Slave Leadership. I want to clear up some of the confusion. What is it really? Let's try to talk about how can we carry people in our hearts but not on our backs. Uh, We have to begin uh, to be servant leaders by uh, letting uh, go of our big egos and to get over ourselves. Uh, That's why Jesus said that we need to be like the youngest because a young child is usually in the least position in a family. They have the least benefits, the least honor. (laughs) They're the last to get the food when it's passed around the table. When you're the youngest, you're in a lowly position, but I find most kids don't have a lot of pride. You know, that's why Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And unless you become like a child, you can't really be the kind of leader he was talking about. There's some great, great teachings on servant leadership in the New Testament. Uh, We're not going to spend a lot of time on those, but I just want to point those out. The three, what I call uh, the holy grail of servant leadership in the Bible is in the New Testament. And I'll, I'll have these on my podcast show notes, but John chapter 13 verse 1 through 17, Philippians chapter 2, and 1 Peter chapter 5, verse verse 1 through 4. Those are the three places that you want to do a study on servant leadership and what the New Testament says about it, just go to those passages. And let me just summarize quickly the teaching of each of those. John chapter 13 is the famous story of the night before Jesus was crucified. If you know that beautiful picture of the Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci, Well, that took place in John chapter 13, and I love the story, and I love what Jesus taught. It was the night before he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified, and it says he knew that he came from God, and he was going back to God. He knew that he was in control. He knew that all the world had come into being through his power. You know, he knew the place of his power and position, and knowing that, He took off his cloak and he grabbed the towel and the basin at the door. And because nobody had taken the initiative to wash each other's feet, he started to wash the disciples' feet. Now, uh, normally there would have been a servant there at the door to wash everybody's feet. But because it was a secret meeting and there was already a mob that was uh, gathering to crucify him, no unessential personnel were there. So it was just him and the twelve. So he picked up and he started to wash the disciples' feet. And can you imagine if you were in that room, what that would have felt like? Uh, How would you have felt if you were one of those 12 in that beautiful painting and all of a sudden the master, this amazing God in human flesh starts to wash your feet? I would feel humiliated. I would feel embarrassed and I would feel mad at myself. Why did I not take the initiative? I could have gone over in the corner and picked up. In fact, I think when he first picked up the bowl, I think all the disciples were saying, who's he going to give it to? He's probably going to give it to Judas because we know he's the bottom man on the totem pole. And Peter, James, and John, who had been arguing about being at his right and his left, they were probably saying to themselves, well, I know he won't give it to us. We're like the executive vice presidents of his organization here. And uh, while they're thinking these thoughts, he starts to wash the feet. I would have sat there and thought, I could have taken the initiative. You know, that's one of the keys to great leadership and servant leadership is just to take the initiative to do what needs to be done and don't wait to be asked. Even sometimes if it's something, you know, when I was... uh, 
in, in many of the roles that I've had in leadership, if I'm on my campus and, you know, I see trash, I'm going to go pick it up and throw it in the trash can. You know, I don't have to call the, if it's just a piece of trash in the parking lot, I don't have to call the, the maintenance folks or the cleaning folks and say, hey, get that trash out of the parking lot. You know, just take the initiative. That's one of the great keys to servant leadership take the initiative well nobody took the initiative that night and so he washed all their feet and he came to peter and peter said no way you're gonna wash my feet no way and he said well if i don't you're out and peter said well in that case just pour it all over my head <laughs> love the guy what a great enthusiastic person one reason i want to bring up peter is because the, the third passage i mentioned is first peter 5 1 through 4 where peter actually got it he got the teaching, and when he later wrote his own book of the New Testament, he talks about First Peter 5, 1 through 4, be shepherds of God's flock, not hired hands. Be shepherds and humbly serve your flock. Don't lord it over the people that you are over. Wow, he really got it. So Jesus washed everybody's feet. Then he sat down and he said, you guys know what I just did? And they're just sitting there very embarrassed. And he said, you know, I'm your Lord and your master. You're right. I am number one. I am the man. I've got all the power and all the position. I, your Lord and master, washed your feet. You should wash one another's feet. What did he mean by that? Well, let me unpack that Uh a great insight into that is found in Philippians chapter 2. That was the second one that I mentioned. In Philippians chapter 2, it basically teaches that we should care more about others than we care for ourselves. Have, your, have this attitude in yourself, which was in Christ, who, although he was God, he did not uh, use that position to lord it over people, but he humbled himself and he came to earth. And then he humbled himself to be a lowly carpenter. And then he humbled himself all the way to the cross. That's servant leadership, to lay down your lives for your people. Well, those are the three places in the New Testament you can see some just amazing teaching on servant leadership and what it is. Now, here's my definition. A servant leader cares more about the good of the team than their own enrichment. Let me say it again. A servant leader cares more about the good of the team than their own enrichment. That's the test of a servant leader. You know, people today in, in, in my country here in America, we're, we're really fed up with our government and we're fed up with uh, Wall Street, uh, the business world leadership. And, and the reason being, it seems like everyone is self-serving and fighting each other and fighting for their own causes in the government. It seems like we elect people to represent us in Washington, but when they get there, they forget about us, and, and pretty soon they're, they're locked in uh, politics and trying to get ahead and trying to keep the position that they were voted into. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem a lot like servant leadership, like they're really serving the people, because sometimes the people overwhelmingly tell them what they think, and yet they ignore what we think. <laughs> All right, that's as political as I'm going to get in my podcast. Uh, there's lots of other people you can listen to if you want to listen to a political show. Okay, what about the business world, Wall Street? You know, uh, there was a big movement here in America. It's pretty well petered out now, but the Wall Street movement um, was sort of an anti-Wall Street because that was uh, born out of that era in America when all these massive companies were going broke, but the people who led the companies uh, walked off with millions of dollars and 
pensions went away, but it seems like the top corporate leaders of all these companies always manage to walk away with a lot of money and the little person walks away with nothing. You know, that's just not servant leadership. That's why I love my definition applies to everywhere. I think a servant leader cares more about the good of the team than their own enrichment. Remember, servant leadership is an attitude. And the attitude is, and this is again yesterday when I was talking to this young man, I was trying to unpack to him what is the essence of servant leadership. And I said, it's an attitude that I'm not the most important person in this organization or in this ministry or in this business. You know, I may have the leadership position. I may be in the chair I may have a C-level position, but we are all of equal value. And that's, you know, the word team stands for together everyone accomplishes more. And it means it's an attitude. We're all important. We all have different roles. But servant leadership is an attitude that I'm going to, not only is everybody as valuable as I am, my role as the leader is to help them be successful. And if I can help them succeed, and that has to do with things like uh, empowering them and delegating properly and giving them the resources they need and coaching them at times. I have a whole podcast uh, on uh, which just came a podcast or two before this one, What Every Follower Wants out of their leader, four things, and go listen to that. But part of servant leadership is giving those people that what they need and not just looking out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So here's a test of, here's some some attributes of these uh, this kind of an attitude where other people are really important. How many of these would be true of you and your leadership? Here's some attributes that I think symbolize uh, servant leadership. Humility, of course, number one, humility. I know details about my team's families. I have genuine concern for the good of the team. I have genuine love for the members of the team. You know, love. Love is a word that fits not only in the Christian context, in the ministry, in the church, but in the business world. I've heard a lot of business leaders that I really admire say, I love my leadership team, or I love my people, I love my job. Genuine love for the members of the team. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Sometimes I just have to lay down my leader hat, and I have to put on a servant hat, and I have to go. I know in our building a few years ago, we, we just had a massive mess in our basement storage, and we decided to have a you know a cleaning day. And I, and I got down there, and we all wore our grubbies, and I just got down there with everybody else, and we cleaned the basement. I remember another time when we I, I mentioned a few podcasts ago about choosing colors for the walls, and uh, I helped do some painting in the building. I happen to love painting. and uh, But, you know, a servant leader is going to say, you know, I don't always have to just sit behind my big chair and be the big guy. I need to, or the woman who's, you know, making all the decisions while everybody serves me. No, we need to put on our servant hat from time to time and don't be afraid to get, get your hands dirty. People love it. I know when I've done that with my team, they're like, wow, that's cool. We get to hang out with Hans and work side by side today, you know, cleaning the base or uh, fixing up the, the whole yard and everything on the campus or, you know, just or he's going to drive me to the airport because I really need a ride and he's decided he wants to spend some time with me. Do whatever it takes. Here's another attitude. I'm willing to do any job no matter how dirty or demeaning. Again, 
you don't let people walk all over and you don't let people drive your agenda and the tyranny of the urgent. You can't just 24-7 do what they ask you to do, but it's fine. It, sometimes you need to do jobs no matter how dirty or demeaning they are. Here's another attitude. I'm fine with other people on my team getting in the spotlight. I don't have to always be in the spotlight. That's a great sign of servant leadership. And here's the final one. I'm fine when other people on the team get the credit. I don't always have to get the credit. Wow. Back to what Ronald Reagan said, the sign he had on his desk, President Ronald Reagan. It's amazing what a man or a woman can accomplish if he doesn't care who gets the credit. Well, let me tell you about Jim Collins. One of my favorite books is the book Good to Great. It's been around a long time. It's the red book, you know, Good to Great. Uh, fantastic, seminal work on, on leadership. And Jim Collins is a researcher. He's an analyst of data. And he studied so many companies. And, and he tried to ascertain what takes a company from being good to being great and sustaining that greatness. And the companies that he finally settled on that he talks about in his book are companies that move from being good to being great, being like number one in their sector and sustaining that over at least 15 years. Uh, what what gives a company the ability to go from good to great and sustain that? Well, he talks about five levels of leadership, and he said these companies all have what's called level five executives, level five leadership. And here are four characteristics. I'm just going to boil down his research about these executives into into these four characteristics. You see, the reason I love this, this is a secular book, and it's uh, sometimes people say, well, does this work in the real world, this servant leadership stuff? Absolutely it works in the real world. And he, Jim Collins, in Good to Great, is my number one exhibit I will give to you that, it, yes, it does work if you have the right view of servant leadership and not the, the wrong view. Remember, it's not slave leadership. Okay, here's the four characteristics of level five executives. Number one, they're humble. Number two, they listened and learned constantly. Wow, that's a theme you'll hear from me all the time. Number three, they put the company above their personal goals. And number four, they valued employees first. It does work in the real world. That's why I love my definition that I've crafted over the last 20 years. A servant leader cares more about the good of the team than their own enrichment. Let me finish with a great story about a doctor named Dr. Michael DeBakey. He was a world-renowned American cardiac surgeon, innovator, scientist, medical educator. He was an international medical statesman. He was the Chancellor Emeritus of Baylor College in Houston, Texas, and he was the director of the Methodist DeBakey Heart and Vascular Center uh, down there in, in Texas, and he was the senior attending surgeon of the Methodist Hospital in Houston. The reason I tell you who Dr. DeBakey was, he died in uh, 2008, is that he had such a prominent position in the world of medicine. He was such a high-level person and leader. Well, there was this news company that wanted to do a story on Dr. DeBakey, so they went into uh, the, the Methodist Hospital there in Houston, and they were uh, looking for him to try to, you know, set up this. Well, they had the interview set up, and they happened to bump into a janitor that was uh, 
you know, mopping the floors and they ask him, hey, you know, which way do I go to find Dr. DeBakey's suite of offices? And, and this janitor's face just lit up. And they, uh, he said, oh, Dr. DeBakey, yeah. He, and he just like, he just radiated at the mention of Dr. DeBakey. And so he told them which way to go. And, and the news crew were kind of taken back. And they said, well, do you know uh, Dr. DeBakey? Why are you so excited? He said, oh, me and the doc. You know what we do? We fix people's hearts around here. <laughs> me and the doc, we fix people's hearts. You see, Dr. DeBakey knew this man. He knew his name. And he cared about him. He cared about everybody in the hospital. He wasn't in his ivory tower of cardiac surgery without caring for the people. The people loved him. They were devoted to him. Have you ever heard the saying, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care? You see, that's servant leadership. And I think he was a great example of servant leadership. So just remember, a servant leader cares more about the good of the team than their own enrichment. Go out there and be a servant leader. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Would you write me and just say, hey, Hans, here's what I took away most from your talk on servant leadership. Just go to HansMizzle.com and shoot me a note, either in the podcast notes or the contact tab. But what did you take away from this that you found helpful? Man, it would just really be an encouragement to me if you'd let me know. Thanks so much. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.